I just saw something achingly beautiful. It was so human. I felt the lowest of the lows of the human heart and the highest of the highs. And I was so grateful for having seen it when I when I walked out. I was like, oh, that was that was time well spent. Uh, and, and, and it's been with me ever since. Welcome to the Untitled Film Project podcast, where you watch the movie, then let's get together and talk about it. This time, The Color Purple 2023, the new adaptation of the beloved book, the 1985 movie starring people like Oprah Winfrey and Whoopi Goldberg. And then there's been various stage versions of this. Uh, This movie was brought to us by Steven Spielberg and Oprah Winfrey having producer credits on this. So it's got its credibility. Uh, this is Celie's story. It's a musical. And there's dancing while still maintaining a heartbreaking impact. Today, our teacher taught us about a place called Africa. She say our mamas come from Queens over there. That means that we, royalty. <laughs> did this surprise any of you? I, it did me. I did not know it was going to be a musical. I intentionally go in kind of blind. Well, I, I knew it was going to be a musical based on the Broadway production okay. of this going in. So I was expecting a musical, especially given the talent. If you are broadcasting that you have Fantasia Barino her, um, so many others. Uh, Sierra. I mean, Allie Bailey. Allie Bailey. Allie it's Bailey. just going to be music. Like You do not cast this cast if you're not expected to sing. So, yes. so you Sorry, I'm not trying out. to hate. Uh, no, no. I, I went in knowing that there's going to be plenty of music, and I knew it was based on the musical, but even then, they are doing a better job leading into opening weekend, and that is going to be a musical. They didn't at first with the teases. They had right. huge productions and choreography and things like that, but they didn't. They only featured Celie's song, like the big, the big number. Right. That's what they've only featured in the trailers. So going in, I, I knew that. I didn't know what to expect. It's been a long time since I've seen the color purple, like the, the sure. original movie version. Okay, but I had high expectations given the cast. Those expectations were met for me. Fantasia Barino is just. Chef's kiss, phenomenal in this film. I thought she was perfectly cast to play this. And then, even then, the younger version of Celie was like, looked like her. I mean, they they matched it so, so well. But I love this so much because it is dealing with heartbreaking issues. It's dealing with a heartbreaking story. It is dealing with the value of self-worth. The, the value of so many other things in this in this story that becoming yourself, redemption, becoming a woman, redemption, independence, for, forgiveness, everything throughout the story. So it is a very important film to for a lot of people to see and to experience and to have a different take, like they've been advertising. It's a fresh new take on The Color Purple that if you are a Color Purple fan, I can see you enjoying this unless you just absolutely hate musicals, which I get. I would totally understand that. Yeah. But I loved it. I, I felt so fulfilled. That's the word I've been using when I've talked about this film is that it left me feeling fulfilled with a told story with an arc that gave me closure, that gave Seely closure, that gave so many characters closure on so many levels. 
And I absolutely enjoyed it. And I'm so glad we we're able to see it and to, to witness that because I think this is one yeah. of those movies that's going to have a good run and even then some uh, after that because I, it's going to gain traction. I was, I was so pleasantly surprised when I found out it was a musical uh, because, I mean, there is so much heartbreak and, and pain in this story that um, uh, at, at, at some points the music actually kind of helped me get through it but it also at other times made those emotions that much stronger so i mean i came out of this movie just saying i just saw something achingly beautiful it was so human i felt the lowest of the lows <clears throat> of the human heart and the highest of the highs and i was so grateful for having seen it when I, when I walked out, I was like, oh, that was, that was time well spent. Uh, and, and, and it's been with me ever since. I can't add much more. You guys have said it pretty eloquently. I'll just say that when I left the theater, I couldn't stop thinking about the film for all the right reasons. Mm -hmm. I loved the music in it. And again, as I've mentioned before, I'm not a musical fan. So the fact that this is even registered on my top movies of the year list is pretty spectacular because I'm just, it's just not my genre, right? Right. Music, musicals on screen now. Broadway, right? All sure. Fine, great. You'll take I'm it. here for it. I understand what I'm seeing. But in a film, I don't know if I've seen hundreds of movies, thousands of movies that are not musicals and so therefore my brain's like, this doesn't belong here. I, don't, I actually don't know what it is. <laughs> it's just but, not your thing. But there's just not, yeah, yeah, I just don't get into it. But this one, was, especially early on, the first half especially, was just unreal. It was energetic. It was infectious. It was like, and it, the music and the performances brought you along for the ride. I just thought it was absolutely spectacular. How did you uh, feel in that opening sequence where you're getting to see how close the sisters are as kids and there is dancing, but they're, they're sitting up in a tree and the camera is moving somehow through the branches of the tree and then moving along with the characters as they go down the road. I was just like, it was, they literally swept me away from the get go. And set you up for heartbreak. It, exactly. Mean, that buildup yeah. set you up for the pain that is going to be felt very shortly after. When they're separated. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it would, <laughs> when a movie's leaving a speechless, a good sign. So yeah. go ahead and, and diving in a little bit more. <clears throat> Coleman Domingo. He's on my notes, man. He's <sighs> he's nominated <laughs> in other like other uh critics agencies and stuff, you know, like New York and you know, mm -hmm. other other areas, right? He's nominated for was it Rustin? Rustin. So in Rustin, he's fantastic. No, 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 no. Right. And I'm like Dude, yes. Coleman. That's right. <laughs> Spread your great performances out. Like I, he, he will absolutely be on my Music City Film Critics Association ballot for best supporting, without question. Uh, he, he was tremendous. Uh, he, I uh, believed every bit of evil and grit. There was no actor there. Yes, there was only Mister. Yes, mm -hmm. and I hated him. Oh yes. Yes, uh, and not like a you know a villain from a superhero movie. Like uh, you are, soul. you're the worst human. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and that's just credit to somebody who just embodied that. And how he was able to go through his own redemption arc. 
as well. Yeah. Being punished and everything too because of the, the curse that she laid on him, basically. Right. And he had his own redemption to where even he was welcome. Do we agree with that all the time? Not necessarily, but we got to see an arc on screen that showed his range again as well. Yeah. And that's what Coleman Domingo has is so much range in the characters that he plays. He develops it so well on screen. And like you said, he becomes that character and you don't even think, oh, that's Coleman Domingo. You're like, ah, that's mystery. Let's talk about Fantasia Barino and and Danielle Brooks. Uh, Those actors, they played those characters in various versions of the stage performance. And what a great decision, not only because they're so good uh, actors and singers, but they've already fleshed out those characters so well that this, again, they, they melted into those characters. And, you know, I forgot in one second, that I was watching Fantasia Barino, who was once on American Idol. You know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, Danielle Brooks was just like so good. Like such a scene stealer. She commanded the screen and your attention every time she was on the screen because of the way she delivers her lines, yes. her body language, that immense like powerful woman on the screen. Right. That no one was going to mess with her. Yeah. She didn't take from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that because she commanded that role and you believed it as well. She oh, yeah. made you believe that. I felt like all the characters that I saw on screen that had no idea what to do with her. You know what I mean? Like I felt their uncomfortable you know, nature when she came in and just, bam, hits you with just one sentence. But that sets her up, though, for having such a a contrasting act to play when she's caught thrown in jail right all those things like it's just because she's so just a force Mm -hmm. of nature early yes and then all of a sudden it's all stripped away right and she's got to be humble and almost like in quiet yeah quiet she's in freeze not fight or flight she's in freeze yes and it's just so it it makes it more powerful yeah because she was a stick of dynamite in the room and then all of a sudden you see what she's reduced to Mm mm-hmm um, it was just marvelous. And then to see her with the cycle come back at the dinner table. Yep. Mm-hmm. And see the personality come back. I loved it. Loved it so much. And then just to make sure we don't forget, Corey Hawkins, he's had some great roles. I mean, he was in, in the Heights, seeing him in this yeah. as well. Another good supporting type of role. There's, Dr. Wasn't, Dre and Straight Outta yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there wasn't as much range shown with him in this. But in terms of a great supporting type of role, Corey Hawkins, again, such a wonderful cast. Yeah. Like in terms of ensemble, this is gonna have to be oh, up there. It's gotta be. There's right. so many great ensemble. Like Oppenheimer's obviously gonna be there. Sure. Barbie. This is a great it's ensemble a, cast. Unbelievable. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Even even you take a like a comedic actor like David Allen Greer. Yes. Uh, yes. Perfectly cast. Yep. In like a somewhat comedic role that's needed to kind of balance you know all the heartache in this movie as the preacher and Shug's dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That he, I mean it was great uh, and. Which leads us next to Taraji P. Henson. Oh, man. She channeled her empire in this, too. Right? <laughs> How many tricks does she have in her bag? She's great. The, the, again, she commanded the screen as well. That, when you have so yeah. many, just not to say big personalities, but so many 
women that can just draw your attention in. She's one of them. Daniel Brooks, Fantasia when she's performing mm-hmm. as well. So many of them that they balanced it very well throughout the entire film that you weren't they weren't a distraction ever to each other. There's such great chemistry on Which the screen too. Can happen. Yeah. It can pretty easily actually. I, absolutely can. Bradford, I love that you mentioned that because uh you know, juggling uh big characters and people who can really bring it uh, and getting them so that they all get their time and nobody's, you know, over, you know, taking somebody else's spotlight. Like that is, uh, you know, a credit to the, uh, the producers and the director uh, of just giving everybody their chance to shine, but nobody was shortchanged in the process. I was, I'm still blown away by this movie. Francine Jameson Tanchuk, lead costume designer. Incredible job for not just period clothing, but also as they progress with Seely's character and how they dressed her at the club that yeah. was built, that Harpo uh-huh. built. The great costuming, just it set the scene so well with the set design, the choreography, the costuming, the music, all just meshed so perfectly well together. And that's what makes a great musical. On screen, right? Like you have to have all those elements coming together so well for people to truly yes. enjoy it because it's setting the tone and the mood. Because if you have costuming or set off near the other two, right, it still takes people away a little bit. You could have a great set, great costuming, great choreography, but the music's maybe slightly off, takes away. All four of those elements mesh together very well. And I think that's why we're all enjoying it because when you start breaking it down, all those elements went so well together sure. that it put you into the film and you felt emotionally connected to it. Throw set design in there as well. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, it seemed to be the right look for the right times. And, uh, I mean, even if you just take Celie's house, you know, where she's, she's living with Mr. She's got this blended family and, you know, this, this life of misery, like, I, it just felt like that place existed and it, like it all kept adding to my enjoyment of the movie. Like there was nothing in this movie that I could say was par. They were all, everything was above par. Um, I can't say enough about it. I thought that the set design and the costuming and all those, all the ancillary things, right? Sure. Those were so great, like excellent, like excellence in filmmaking. I believed from probably minute three that I was watching something shot in that period of time. Mm-hmm. I never once wavered. I was like, oh, well, that's Halle Bailey. She was just a little mermaid. So it's right. Never it's crossed actually, my mind. No, never crossed my mind. Every, I yeah. bought into the entire thing, even through the song and dance, which again, I'm not a musical fan of. So the fact they're singing and dancing in this certain time, it's, it, doesn't, it should not make sense. Logically, right. I should be like, this is not, I'm watching something. So Gover, not at all. You were in a different experience than Jim and I when it came to screening this. You were in a group setting, yes, with a group of, of people in the public mm-hmm. who were watching this. Was there audience reaction that we'd be able oh, to share? All, all throughout? How how was that? What were people? Th- what were you experiencing during this? Just lots of applause, lots of gasps, in, mm-hmm. in, in the best possible way, yeah. right? In the the right spot. In the right spots, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, just it was so great. The overwhelming. There was a Q and A afterwards in my screening. Okay, just with some local leaders and stuff. Okay, and. In the Q and A, what kept coming up was the how it was so different than the one in the eighties. Yeah, it took a lot of the abrasiveness out. There's, yes, but in the in the best possible way for right. like a family, 
Yeah. So it was it and they were they were so it was like they're so it was so powerful to see positive black images on screen, especially women, mm-hmm. right? Just all these, but the, it was, the room was overflowing with that sentiment. Like you didn't say anything. We could have all left and yeah. set our opinion at the door and went our separate ways That's and awesome, you still man. would have felt it. That's awesome. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Is, is there a, a scene or a moment in this film where like you were especially emotional? Because I was emotional through this whole movie. I know mine. Go it was, for it. It was at Mr. The dinner Bradford. Table. It was at the dinner table when Celie is finally letting Mr. have it. Mm-hmm. And it's that fist pump. Like, yes, she's coming into her own. She's realizing her self-worth. She's going to be independent. She's going to go off and do her own thing. She's going to become the woman she was meant to be the entire time. That had me just riled up to want to cheer for her because that moment finally came. She's finally pushed to the limit so much that mm-hmm. she took control of her life. That moment right there. I loved it, especially when you combine that with Danielle Brooks' character, with Sophia, and so many other things happening throughout yeah. that moment. That was a, an applause moment for me. I'm going to give you a tiny one because there are so many great ones. So I'm going to give like the spotlight to it, just a just a tiny moment uh, that you know when Suge, the the blues singer, uh, comes into Celie's life, and well, she's sleeping with her husband, but. Celie's life hasn't been that good ever, almost, in her life. And Suge is the best thing to ever happen to her. And then when Suge says, yeah, I got to go on the road. This is what I do. And just the, the feeling and the look on her face when, you know, because when, when Suge is around, Celie doesn't get beat up by her husband. Uh, you know, in fact, like, She's treated better by her husband and by Suge, right, than ever. And to see, she's like, wait, that's going to go away when you go away. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Just, I mean, it was just, I felt the loss that she was anticipating. All right, let's uh, get some scores on the color purple. It's at the end of the year. This happens to be the time when award season is coming around. We're comparing I'm sure this film to some of the best that have come out this year. Where does it rank numerically? Uh, I'll just say that I gave it a nine. I mean, this is one of my highest scoring films of the year. I think only Oppenheimer is above that. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that Oppenheimer is the better film for best picture. I would even argue that Christopher Nolan should get best director. But I'm also willing to say I understand if you vote for this number one and blitz for best director, number one, it's, it's one of those things that I can totally see just depending on how it hit you. Maybe when you saw it, how you saw it, if you saw Oppenheimer on a smaller screen and big screen, but a smaller screen as opposed to the IMAX, mm-hmm. which we saw that was 70 millimeter. What was it? Mm-hmm. 70, 70 millimeter. Yeah. I mean like, you know, we the, saw the, how it's supposed to be. The so perfect maybe screen. that was the difference. Right. Like, I don't know, but either way, I, it's, it's one of the best films of the year. It will absolutely be on my best picture ballot. I give it a nine. Nice. I, I, I got to echo that same sentiment. Uh, and I wouldn't be mad if, right. uh, if, if somebody, any award goes to this film instead of one of the other great films that we saw this year. Uh, it, I, I, I'm giving it at least a nine because it's, uh, it's one of the most stirring movies uh, among a season that had, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon and... Uh, Barbie for in its own very different way and Oppenheimer it it's just right up there 
It, it, it absolutely is. And like we talked about all the different elements that have to work really well for a musical film to do well and to hit a general audience and to push a message across to leave you fulfilled with your heart warmed with just a sense of closure as well for characters in a film. It accomplishes so many things. And on top of that, you have great production, great costuming, fantastic music. I mean, Fantasia Barino has not acted in many things at all. It's mostly been herself. Yeah. This is, this is this really is, her first major yeah, film huge. role. And huge. it's a big one. Yes, and it is. It's not just her singing. <laughs> like you can throw sometimes singers into musicals yeah. and it's like their role is just be yourself and sing. Sure. Right. Right. It happens all the time. That's fine. That's totally fine. She acted. She acted in this mm-hmm. movie. She had emotion. She had range. She had everything you think of. I wouldn't think of her as just a singer. Fantasia Barino mm-hmm. is a threat. <laughs> she can do it all. Major threat. Major threat because she just showed the chops that she has. And not just from her singing. Yeah, she's great at singing. But she showed range of acting in this to prove that she can do so much more with her talent and skill set. It is absolutely phenomenal. The whole cast itself, mm-hmm. wonderfully cast, great ensemble. Everyone just complimented each other so extremely well throughout the film. Like Gover said, Blitz Bazoule deserves so many commendations. And you think if, yeah. if there weren't so many strong movies out this year, how much this could easily jump. But this is going to be fresh on a lot of people's minds, yeah. right? It's not. It's calculated, but it's another one of those. It's a good time of year for this to come out as well, too, because mm-hmm. you want to just you want to feel things. Emotional movies a lot of times are great to come out right now because you can go with family, maybe older kids. Maybe there's some adult concepts that are covering this. You want to be able to explain and have discussions think with family of, about. Think of all the black families, just for example, that are going to go see this over Christmas break. And how yeah. it's going to impact them. How much they're going to be talking about it Oh, afterwards. my God. I mean, it's just, yes. oh, yeah. It's going to be I, this incredible. Is, it's an important film to see. I mean, there's so many things that we could say that are important to see. It's important to see the color purple. It is, it is important. It's important to see it because of the way so many things are portrayed and to understand what life potentially like. We don't, we don't necessarily always know. Sure. But you, you just need to see it for the story to see a person become her own and realize her self-worth. And that is a story that doesn't necessarily take place in any time period. That right. Takes place. It's a relatable enough. It's relatable totally enough universal. to have discussions with your family because you feel fulfilled and you feel warmth, but you also can have important conversations after watching this film. And you, to do it like what Jim said earlier, to use it in a musical form to get rid of some of the, the roughness around the edges, Yeah, it, it helps you to be able to accept the message that they're showing by yes. using musical form that when music can drive the story, the character development, the plot, it can drive everything with the music. It is not out of place at all. Right. It completely no. moves the story along the entire time. And, so and it, it helps. And, and before you get to your score, I just want to add on to that because you made a great point. Uh, I, 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 I have mentioned this movie to people. I said, watch out for The Color Purple because we saw it far in advance of its release. And a lot of people were remembering rough feelings mm-hmm. of seeing the 1985 movie which was wildly popular, but I think people have some trepidation. Like, I don't know if I can go there. Right. You can with this movie. This makes it approachable. Yes. And then you have the people behind it like Oprah, Steven Spielberg, Quincy Jones. Yep. All being a part of it. It shows how much has been put into this to make sure it is a good product, not just for box office. I don't think it's not necessarily for box office, but a good product out there for people to consume something that is important to see 9.5. I'm good with your score. 
So let me Never ask you this, Metro 9.5. Is it the best film of the year you've seen? No. Okay. There, it, and you know with me, I hate doing one, two, three, four, five. No, I know that. It is in a category with Oppenheimer, oh, with for Past sure. Lives, with Barbie, with Maestro. Mm-hmm. It is all right up there. So it is going to be one of those things that a ballot is going to be very difficult because we've been just bombarded with actual good film. I think we've had highs and lows, like the two top and bottom this year. Roller coaster year. A very roller coaster. This is going to give a lot of films and actors and actresses runs for their money when it comes yep. to nominations because it's going to deserve so much. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Absolutely. All right. Well, we have gushed on the color purple, and it deserves it uh, just as much as we trashed Aquaman. That's right. Uh, Aquaman, don't go see. Color purple, make a point to see. Exactly. Uh, Let's uh, get to our big question, and this comes from Mr. Bradford. All right. Big question. There have been so many movie musicals. I don't think people realize how many movie musicals there are. Lion King can be considered a movie musical, right? There's so many out there. So I want to know, not the best... Because I don't want you to put your critical hat on. I want you to put your favorite hat on, your emotional hat on, the, the, what you want. What is your favorite movie musical? Mm. All right. Well, because I've only seen so many, I'll start. Probably seen more than you Let, give yourself credit for. Let's go I to mean, the guy who usually doesn't like movie yeah, musicals. musicals. I yeah. want to know what you are going to pull out of your hat. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to pull out a balding man. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I I went and saw Hairspray. I think reluctantly. I think somebody wanted to see it. <laughs> with, oh no! Like, okay. No, a lot of us have had those movies where we're, we're pulled in. Our initial feelings, you know, we're like no, but circumstances bring us right. There. And the yeah. circumstances <laughs> brought me there, and I got a lot out of it. I really enjoyed it. Now again, is it rewatchable? Do I have I bought it? No, but. When I was there, and even like to this day, I still think every once in a while of John Travolta. At, you know, as the mom in in, mm-hmm. in in Darespray and the fun musical numbers that there were and how the story moved along through the music. It didn't seem out of place. It didn't seem like, oh, we're doing this 15, 20-minute regular normal movie dialogue scene, and then yeah. here comes a song. Like it, it wasn't like that. It was it was what a musical should be, in my opinion. So, again, very limited, you know, <laughs> uh, class of movie I've seen. But I, I, Hairspray is mine. And Hairspray is not problematic at all. Not at all. Uh, Dude, I couldn't even tell you. I know. I, I, just, <laughs> I just have to make sure we have that in there. I just like the, I like the music. I know. I know. Yeah. I know, I know. Uh, this is Jim. And, and uh, this is, okay, this is funny because it was somewhat off air. Right? We, were, we were not recording when this movie came up. But it was already my answer. And it is La La Land with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Very good uh, choice, Jim. It's like one of my rewatchable movies. It is a movie that I listen to the soundtrack uh, quite often. <clears throat> and if I score. need to feel something, I listen to the audition song from Emma Stone's character that launches her career towards the end of the movie. Uh because she begins by just speaking in a monologue and she does this slow transition into singing about her grandmother and the Seine in, in, in France. And like, 
I'm like, how did, how did you do that? How did how, I like, I don't, I still, after hearing it a whole bunch of times, I don't know how that's happened. And, and it makes perfect sense for this movie because it is about a guy who loves jazz and he's performing and he's doing this great music. And she is a, you know, multi-talented actress. So it, everything made sense. It does get, you know, a little weird, like in the dream sequences when they're floating above the observatory, but I still didn't care. I just, uh, there's something about that movie that just resonates with me. And when I saw it in the theater, um, you know, I'm such a, a sound person. Sound affects me a lot. Audiophile. Yeah. And I went to my local crappy theater <laughs> with a bunch of other people that I would have talked out of going to this theater because I always have a problem when I go there. It's out of focus, whatever. Uh, we saw La La Land and the speakers were at 30% volume. That's where I'm going to put it. Okay. And now if you're going to see a musical... You need to hear it so much that you feel it. And even with that disadvantage of the speakers, and, and I told it, like, ran out of the theater, like, please fix the sound in this movie. They didn't fix it. Uh, I bought the film. So mm. La La Land's my favorite musical, uh, at least great. of recently. That is a very good choice. Uh, Bradford, you uh, are our music guy. <laughs> so for you to have like one of your favorites revealed here must be pretty special. Well, it is. And this is nostalgia and connection and may bring eye rolls or not. But let me get ready. Yeah, please. Okay, go ahead. My favorite is Moulin Rouge. Just kidding. It's good. <laughs> Just kidding. So Baz Luhrmann, it's one of those, okay. you don't know. Yeah, yeah, Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, but he... when Moulin Rouge came out and I first saw it, especially think of me, this is a couple years right before college, mm -hmm. theater major, oh. band nerd. Man, it was, oh man. Oh, it hit all, I had all it your... hit every single oh, box. Yeah. It was Nicole right in the pocket. Kidman. Yeah. Whew. Satine Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Ewan McGregor. Oh. Ewan McGregor. John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Broadbent. Yeah. yeah. I own not just, this is CD and it's, it's been a bit, not just the soundtrack, but the secondary soundtrack I bought. Like there oh, were two the Inspired by or whatever. Oh, no, really? no, no. It was oh. like the secondary songs. Oh, okay. Plus Inspired by. Okay. From this film. <laughs> In okay. A, the few extras. Yeah. 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 Like the way they're able to turn popular music into oh. musical numbers I loved and the kookiness behind it. Like, yeah, it is kooky. It is ba trippy. It's Baz Luhrmann. It's Baz he does kooky. He does yeah. kooky. And I loved it. Like I connected so much that I would nonstop listen to this and just try to do duets with my friends and everything. Like, okay, you're going to play Satine <laughs> and I'm going to play Christian that. and everything. Seriously. <laughs> loved it. Like love it. And to, I, I, I want to see it on Broadway so badly or when it tours, I want to see it because I love the storyline. It's the, the, what the Bohemian thing of love. What is love? Just back then, hope was romantic kind of thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> Wanting to love, you love love. And the overarching story with this is about love, and I appreciate that. Throughout its kookiness and weirdness and everything, I love that the centric part of this is songs about love. Okay. And that really stuck with me, and that's why I enjoyed it so much. And, yeah, Moulin Rouge, that's my favorite movie musical. There's so many to choose from. There's so many iconic, you know, songs from that mo movie that, yeah, I mean – yeah, and medleys too that they yeah. just mash up on the elephant. And medleys, oh There's like yeah, five or six songs. It is boom, 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 boom. Sure, yeah. And I'm not a huge Baz Luhrmann fan. Sometimes he's just too much for me. Right. But I mean, I think maybe in the moment, I you know, it was too much for me. But it's one of those. 
okay, that has stayed with me since it's, you know, hit theaters, what, 25 years yeah. ago? And you can see why people like it. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to thank you for not forcing me to sing that with you in the car as well. No, we got <laughs> Toto, baby. That's what, we do have Africa. That's right. <laughs> So you've been listening to that. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, Mr. Musical. I was singing singing Toto over here. See? We've we've done this. On many a road trip, we've done we've we've sang some Africa. The rain has fallen. Sang the hell out of some Africa. On the Untitled Film Project podcast. Pittsburgh, Dallas. They all come come to mind. Chicago. Brothers Let's not get into it. that. Okay. Let's just stick with Toto. Love you. Jim, we're going to close the show out before this gets crazy. Uh, he's Jeremy Gover and Justin Bradford. I am Jim Chandler. Uh, follow us, uh, like us, review us, pat us on the back, even if you hate us. Um, but please ask permission before you touch us. Thank you. That's right. I'm, yes. I'm a hugger. I'm still afraid of the people who, you know, attacked me after Priscilla. <laughs> You're afraid of them? What with and their walkers? Yeah, I know they do have tennis balls at the bottom of those walkers, mm-hmm. so I guess that would that would brace the impact. So mm-hmm. oh, okay, I'm fine. Okay, great. Yeah. I feel good. Yeah, I'm clutching safe. their pearls. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett.